Welcome to Inside the Box podcast, brought to you by the Make Space Project. I'm your host, Ross Anderson, and today I'll be sharing a conversation with Ross Gay. Ross Gay is a poet, an author, an educator, and gardener, among many other things. He's the author of four poetry books and the book of essays, The Book of Delights. Uh, truly one of my all-time favorite books. Highly recommend everybody out there. Uh, find his work and take time with it. Uh, he's received numerous awards for, for this work, and including the 2015 National Book Award in Poetry. Uh, he teaches at Indiana University. He's involved in a lot of different community and educational projects, including projects around gardening. Hope you'll enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Hi, Ross. How are you? Good. How's it going? It's great. It's great. I'm super thrilled to have you, Ross. This is probably going to be the del- one of the main delights of my 2020. I'm coming at this as a true beginner. I've never done a podcast interview with somebody like you. So this is our first inaugural interview. And I know you're going to just make me look really good. And- <laughs> You know, the, the focus here is really on education and creativity and mindfulness and, and you know, it's kind of the social emotional development of, of the teacher in interaction with the students and how that, how that works and where creativity lives there and the arts. Our hope is to just, you know, invite new people into the lives of teachers. And I think with educators that we're working with, I'm hoping, you know, we can plant the seed of thinking about what, you know, your approach to this potentially almost as like a routine that educators might even think about. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. You know, like teaching is one of, in class and studying and all that is, it's more and more, it's like the funnest thing for me to think about and talk about and wonder about with other people. I met you, I I met you through Krista Tippett's On Being podcast and the episode you did there. And one of the things I also love about On Being is that there's that question, that fundamental question that's asked of everybody. And so I'm going to, I'm going to bring that into our inside the box podcast and ask you, you know, what was your creativity like as a child? Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. I'm writing about basketball right now, but I'm writing about, I mean, like kind of loosely about basketball and I'm thinking a lot about childhood and, you know, the ways that we sort of learn how school works or doesn't work, whatever you call it, and what it does, and I guess the many ways that we learn. And I'm one of the, I'm just like, I'm laughing, writing about this buddy of mine, me and my buddy Jay. I feel like so much of what we were learning was actually in flight from class, you know? And, or we might've been in class, but we were figuring out ways to do things that were not not what was being taught we were studying this other stuff which to me Mm. is is that was actually school you know and and it was so creative you know like we would you know we would you know just all the dumb stuff the kids do like we would like (laughs) i still think this is so good like we would lip sync like jay would sit behind me in class and I would raise my hand and we would have coordinated and been like, Mr. Smith, what's the capital of, you know, whatever. And Jay would say it and I would mouth it. And 
And <laughs> it's just, you know, there's like a million. We were just like trying to like think like, how can we not be in school right now? Yeah. We have to yeah. sit here, but how can we not be? Yeah. yeah, I mean, almost as if it's a stage for you, you know, like, I, I love that you, in your, in, in uh, your book of delights, there's definitely some like, what pranks mean in even how you kind of show each other that you love each other, but also just this constant, like, you know, process of creative expression. And yeah, and that's like a really lovely, harmless prank. Yeah, 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 yeah. And really like, you know, whatever it is, like there's a kind of the school and like, you know, we're gonna be graded and all this like stuff that, you know, obviously we're in contestation with that. Yeah. But there's another thing which to me is really important and moving and the more I think about it, I think, wow, it's so important and moving is that and um, is that we were like trying to imagine ways of being together. Yeah. Really, you know? Yeah. And where, you know, and the classroom is not, the classroom is often not about that. It is not often about, let's try to imagine how to be in caring, loving relationship to one another. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at at its best, I think it is. Yeah, um, and actually, when we think of we, when you're in a classroom like that, or in moments in a classroom, you're like, whoa, that was a moment in the classroom. Like that. Yep. But all of these other moments where we were kind of running from class, we were really like trying to make these moments of you know not always, but often trying to make these moments of like that's actually class. That's actually class. You know, mm -hmm. that's like a break in the classroom. Mm -hmm where study is really happening, where care is really happening. I just want to say that because I'm thinking about it, but I also Great. feel like, you know, where we grew up at home, I feel like with my brother, we were, you know, constantly sort of playing and thinking, thinking about things, even though we didn't know we were thinking about things or without the other kids in the neighborhood, you know, we hung out in the little woods, you know, and like, there's a little, you know, rusty creek but there were crayfish, you know, down there. And yeah. we were like kind of rooting around. And I didn't, we weren't like intentionally doing anything. We were doing so much, you know, imagining things. Yeah. Or like harvesting mulberries from the mulberry tree at the edge of the apartments. Yeah. You know, hanging out there or like taking Tupperware to pick raspberries on the edge of the woods. All of it feels like, all of it feels foundational in a kind of creative life that I can't at the time, of course, yeah, just, yeah, just hanging natural. out. Natural. Yeah. It's sort of just a natural curiosity. Yeah. 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 Or like the games that we played, like, yeah. you know, just like playing, you know, any of the games, like how we figure out how to play a football game that was a different yeah. game because we only had X number of people and we only had like this little space, you know? Yeah. I know this little space wasn't translate real good to a podcast, but it's not much space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, you got constraints there. You're in a container of, you know, what can you do with it? Yeah. 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 No, that's great. I mean, I, you know, one of the, one of the major questions that we're playing with in this project, this project's called Make Space. And so I've been working with colleagues for like seven years now on thinking about, you know, the artistic process can look so differently depending on the discipline, depending on um, the materials, but there's sort of this, this fundamental approach that, that you can bring and, and integrate into any content area. And so we've been trying to unpack like, well, what, what is that foundational process, you know? And, 
what do you what do you have to do to set the conditions for that? Yeah, and so what you know, how do you how do you create those spaces? And we and we you know, and and so I'm curious, like you know, do you what what do you play around with in your teaching? I think of like a couple things that I want a classroom to be a site of. One is collaboration. I'm very interested in in collaboration, and then the other thing is just like it's kind of basic, but like the imagination. So how do you or or metaphor? So how do we how do we in a class really practice collaborating and practice imagining mm-hmm. in ways that otherwise maybe mm-hmm. so I have like you know like these exercises that are always they're always a little bit intuitive they're always they're always like up for discussion of course they're always you know weird when we do them I just feel like one you can't anticipate what's going to happen which I think can be unnerving for a, for a teacher. You can't, you don't know what's going to happen. And the other thing is that there's always the kind of, in, in this context, there's always the thing of like, you know, you might not, you might not be able to do it, you know, or you might decide now I got to do this other thing, or you might, you know, like all of these, all of the kind of requirements become different, you know, the only requirement is actually to hold space for the possibility of something beautiful to happen. You know, and just so you know, like if they don't do, if someone doesn't do something, it's like, all right, do the next one, cool. You know, yeah. you're getting an A regardless. Yeah. You know, we're not doing that. Like you're getting an A regardless. So it's like, <laughs> you know, like we're not even thinking about that. We're actually thinking about how do we be together, care for each other and make beautiful shit. You know? Yeah. That's, a, that's kind of an incredible revolutionary approach to a classroom. And it's kind of like, it's, it's a different thing. I mean, it's kind of like, that's an awesome classroom. And it's the kind of classroom that me and Jay were always running toward when we were like, either actually running or like, let's do this other thing, you know? Let's like, let's like sit in the back of the class and like draw these funny pictures, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah. that's class. Yeah. Collaborating, we're in a constraint, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. And, and in some ways, the more exciting and riskier the constraints, the more, you know, kind of drive and, and curiosity uh, young people have. It's one of the reasons why we bring in a lot of like gesture and theater work. And boy, does that create risk, new level of risk for young people and for teachers. Um, wow. I mean, it really is like, I think it's the area that we, we're kind of trying to press on as hard as we can whenever we have teachers together you know, we're going to give you constraints around this kind of exercise, go for it. What happens in that is it's like there's, they develop this sort of empathy, secondary empathy almost of like, oh, what is it like for learners, whether it's creative or whether it's really difficult in another way, you know, um, some students have a hard time writing, you know, like scary. So what does it feel like to be a learner again there and uh, vulnerable and like, thinly veiled with you know you're you gotta you're performing and we've and we've just seen it really move some teachers in way you know they understand like oh yeah i've got to do it if i'm going to ask my students to do it one of the things that i'm trying to do is is to be like we're just makers we're just or whatever we're just imagining things we're in a constant state of practice so my thing is like everything i do that's just like a little practice you know yeah. If it becomes a book, well, that was practice. 
if it is just like a, a drawing that we do like before class with our wrong hand, this is the thing that I love to do is like draw pictures um, with your opposite hand, you know, in those kind of blind contour drawings. And stuff. Yeah, sure. And like start off and start off in a way to sort of be like, well, let's start off by like not being real good at something. So that, so we know that that's actually the ground of the class. The ground of the class is not mastery. The ground of the class is attempted. It's just yeah. time. And I could see in a classroom with kids, younger kids, where at least we often think that the idea is that there is someone with a kind of authority and then there are these children. I could see entering into a space of like mutual, mutual vulnerability, attemptness. I'm gonna do this thing with you and, and it ain't gonna be perfect. <laughs> Being really hard. Yeah, like I'm the one giving grades or something. I'm the one. I'm I'm supposed to be the the grand evaluator here, and then we're all going to be like, you're going to see me do this thing, and I'm just going to be like you are. Yep, I'm not going to be the teacher anymore. I think it. I don't know that there's any ingredient more powerful to develop relationships. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's what we're learning qualitatively when we've interviewed teachers after and you know essentially what we're leading them through Ross is like a course that's unpacking the whole nature around of creativity you know and trying to demystify it and you know have you know really make it personal for the educator of like what are your ideas about creativity and and you know and then give them new research-based ways of thinking about it and then constantly have them go through and practice and reflect on it and write and you know and and one of the key things that you've already mentioned was is this metaphor. It's just like metaphor is the language of meaning for us. And so like play in that space, like, you know, we, we're, we're using it whether or not we know we're using it four to six times a minute. So just play. And it's the permission giving, you know, what we've heard is it just it seems to be opening these new channels of seeing their students and and finding joy. But when you were teaching, you know, there was one essay at that, I think, was was really special because you you kind of proposed like what what if joy is really the joining of sorrows and it stuck it stuck with me and it's you know and it's 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 brought kind of i think it reframes what sorrow and and kind of interaction with people and and being true and true and like transparent about your experience what that can produce and you you had written that it was actually like something that was offered to you from a student it was my student, it was a student. We were students together. I was the teacher of record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Bethany, Bethany, Bethany Carlson was like, what if we joined our, you know, it, we were in, it was this class called Writing the Community, I think, but we were sort of talking about like, what's it mean to be a writer in the community? And I could go on and on about where that class is inspired by and where that class is, where it's inspired by. So it's just like, the more, the older I get, the more I'm like, none of it's mine. None, you know, these are all ideas that I yeah. sort of have been lucky enough yeah. to sort of get caught in the washup. Yeah. But Bethany said, as a kind of pedagogical question, what would it mean if we joined our wildernesses? Yeah. What if we joined our wilderness together? With our students, you know, like, <laughs> that to me is such, like, talk about vulnerability. It's like, it just, to me, it kind of, among the things the question does is that it, it obliterates the idea of, of an authority and, uh, and something else. And 
it completely obliterates all these sort of previous conceptions of what the relationships might be in a space and instead makes it be like all we're here to do is to join each other's wildernesses and then to me what that kind of instructed me is like and it's to hold each other's wildernesses mm -hmm. and part of that wilderness is sorrow and maybe the holding of those things together constitutes and it's not always just sort of like it's not always just happy holding that wilderness together constitutes maybe joy which is you know why to me joy is like this is it's a serious grave rigorous like deeply beautiful yeah you know there is this intimate connection with you know how much do we as humans turn away from the things that scare us and certainly the emotions of other people and it's, so it's interesting to think about one of the solutions actually being to go toward, lean in toward it and, and open and create that space. And what if the more open that we make that, the more joy we actually find, even if there's deep sorrow there? You know, I think a lot about what is joy, you know, <laughs> and, you know, it's a little different than delight, you know, but it's joy, the feeling that might really make you weep, you know, mm -hmm. and the weeping might be something like, when you are no longer only yourself. Mm. Yeah. And you are in fact you are becoming this this bigger thing. This bigger. You're becoming more than yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think too, it's kind of interesting, like some of the writing that I've been doing lately, I'm I'm thinking that there's a and also in couples therapy with my partner, it is like there is this kind of way that I think I'm realizing, but maybe we're both realizing that there is a kind of way that we we don't allow for curiosity about ourselves. Like, you know, a failure in a, a failure, a, a, a struggle in a relationship often happens when we can't listen to one another or hold each other's wildernesses because that's too much. Yeah. And then, then what I think I realized this last week in therapy is that, <laughs> oh, it's also like, we can't hold our own wilderness. We have to, we have to regulate it and know yep. it too. And yep. that is also horrifying. Yep. You know, to hold the, the depth of our unknowing in addition to the depth of our like just sorrow and hurt and yep. confusion and et cetera. Yeah. And so to both of those things, like if I, if I can become more acquainted with my own wilderness, more unafraid of my own wilderness, then is it possible for me to become more unafraid and then more acquainted with your wilderness? And then we realize, oh, we're all holding this wilderness together. Oh, we're all together. We're all, <laughs> you know? we're all suffering in all the same ways. It's the, the, the harder we hold on to those fears and, and you know, the stronger the power is that they have over us and they hold over us. And it's interesting because the, the, the personal development of, of creative process, and I'm going to ask you, you know, share anything that you'd like to about your own creative practice and your own creative process, any routines you have in your life. You know, it's where it all begins. It's sort of how we're, we're approaching this, uh, this project after trying to do work really focused on like, well, what are students doing, you know, in the project and what are their learning objectives and really getting in, you know, of course, education always does that. It kind of like skips past 
a lot of the culture building elements. And we're like, oh no, actually we just have to, we have to offer routines that slowly create this shift in vulnerability, opening and, and you know, the culture of risk-taking, a culture of sharing, a culture of exchange. So yeah, any routines? I mean, any routines that you've discovered in any of these projects you've done? Yeah, I mean, like one thing is, and you can kind of, probably can be routinized in a bunch of ways, but like the thing about drawing with your opposite hand as a first, as a, as a sort of entry to a class, like even like the first way we get into class is by doing something that, you know, you're not great at, you know. That's a bad, yeah. like by default, that's yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then like, so maybe that's a way of sort of, just sort of re-lifting the idea that we're, no, we're just practicing here, we're practicing, you know. And, and you know, the thing is too, like sometimes that drawing that you're like looking away and you're drawing like an elephant or something and you look at it and you're like, it doesn't look like an elephant, but holy God damn, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever, <laughs> I've ever made. You know, it's not, it's, it might not be an elephant, but it's really beautiful. Another thing that I am kind of interested in talking about dreams with folks, you know, I'm really interested in it, you know, and I know it's like so tedious to some people. <laughs> But I feel like what I do kind of notice in, in classrooms, because I do it often, I do notice that there's a way that the dream world, the strangeness of it and the sharing of the strange, it is a little bit now that we're talking about it, it is a little bit of sharing your wilderness. You know, yeah. like some, when everyone starts to be like, well, first of all, people are kind of often interested in sharing their dreams, it, I find, once, once it starts happening. I think sort of sharing dreams and i imagine it could be other things but dream is just a sort of strangeness like putting strangeness into the room and like again like dreams as a as a place or even the recollection of dreams in the space of dreams as being a place where where things like being good at it is not it's just not part of the equation you know you're not like you're not good at recounting your dreams you're not like good at having dreams you just if you have them you have them you know and and if you rec- if you recount them in a in a weird way, that's dreamy. If you recount them in a very clear narrative way, that's dreamy too. Like whatever, it's just like it's not it's not something to accomplish, you know. Mm-hmm. There's some other things. I mean, you know, like a a kind of without articulating it as a kind of in my head. Well, in, maybe unless I have created articulated articulated it. Collaboration, you know, like any possible way that that folks in the room can be collaborating for any number of reasons. One is that it requires some practice at like listening and and offering and that kind of vulnerability or, you know, just closeness that I think a classroom can be a laboratory for, you know. And but it also requires again like a kind of submission that can be very challenging when we want to be good at something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like that's really good, like to like have an opportunity to be like, well, you know, I guess we're going to have to go like that and then see, well, maybe it's going to be good or maybe it won't be good. But where I can't impose everything, I can't impose my excellence upon a thing, you know, which often turns out, well, that's good. Cause then you made something beautiful. Like, you know, it was going to be excellent, but instead it became beautiful. There's like more space for a surprise and more, you know, and more space for the, 
the experience to actually unfold along with somebody else. And I mean, in partnership and yeah. it's, and that's totally true. And then you think about it with like, you brought up basketball and like, I mean, I, I played sports my whole life and it's like, you know, you get kind of assigned this role, you know, yeah. because you have this skill or that skill. And, and I think that that's really natural for kids and especially in a classroom, you know, and, and so, wow, what if, yeah, what if more collaborative routines happened that were really like pretty fresh palette of possibility, you know? Because nobody is nobody has excellence <laughs> or experience. I mean, in a certain kind of way, I feel like one, it's good for us to 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 be with. You know, yeah. I feel like it's really good for us to practice being with. And I feel like one of the things that schools can often teach is the opposite, which is how to be an individual, a discreet and accomplishing individual, which. Is, is is a challenge well we run into that with creativity too because we think of creativity as as the individual i mean you just shared kind of being in the i love the metaphor you gave of like being in the wash of an idea right the idea that's just been like handed around and passed around and here you are you happen to be in the wash of it and that's different than you know looking at and the way that we kind of hold up in, in, with this sort of impeccability the accomplishments of individuals the creative one the, the the one that discovered this and uh and yeah i mean we're trying to you know like trying to really push back on that i think and and it's true the more that that happens in a learning environment where it's, it's actually collaborative and it's you know everyone sort of has surprised themselves with the contributions they made um, you know are there any things that you do around just kind of taking the environment of the classroom when you're whether it's a graduate class or an undergraduate class or a workshop like Anything that you think about in terms of just even let's make this space into this sort of laboratory of possibility or 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 space to be surprised or to make mistakes. Yeah. That question of like how do you make this space a better space, you know? I think my inclination would always be to ask the students like, mm. you know, what feels like a, a good space and probably to sort of repeatedly ask the students and be like, do we need to arrange or how is the way that this space right now oriented either making us more with each other or making us not with each other. One question I had for you is, you know, we, we kind of are approaching this idea about creativity in teaching and learning with this like expansive view of creativity saying, you know, well, look, the creativity field is rich. And yes, there's this problem of kind of focusing in on like creative thinking or like coming up with bizarre and original ideas is like, that's what creativity is. And so we're, we're like, you know, we're actually first asking teachers, you know, well, what kind of attitudes and beliefs and thinking and behaviors do you bring to challenges that are creative? And, and, uh, and it's kind of democratic because it allows everyone to see sort of, all right, this is, yeah, I am creative. Wait a minute. You know, that idea, I don't have a creative bone in my body. It's like, you know, it's old hat. I'll put that yeah. aside. I'll put that aside. So we also ask them like, well, so what's a creative resource that you're working on now? You know? And so I'd ask you that. Is there, is there something that you connect to your creative process or practice that you're, or teaching that you're like, this is where I'm working right now. This is what I'm working to develop. I mean, partly I sort of, I feel like one of the things that I am thinking a lot about among the things that I'm thinking a lot about is I'm just really interested in trying to really fundamentally believe that 
we're just practicing. <laughs> you know, I'm even thinking about it, like a little thing that I just did the other day. And I was sort of like, I wanted to kind of evaluate myself. I kind of wanted to evaluate myself. And a lot of that is, that is a sort of like, you know, I think probably like a familiar, deeply embedded strategy that is not particularly useful, except in as much as it closes one down from connecting to the, our sort of mutual sweetness. <laughs> Which is to say, it's really unuseful. <laughs> it's really unuseful. And it's a kind of like deeply center, center, self-centered way of, of imagining, actually of imagining oneself in the world, which is like not with softness, not with curiosity, not with a kind of openness. So this is all to say like, I was kind of like, I wanted to sort of start evaluating something. So <laughs> when you, when you reside in delight through these observations that you're making, kind of transforming the modernity or the, the everyday into this, you know, this story that touches on all these parts of your life and experiences and, and painful things and joyful things, you know, are you, you know, are you in like delight the whole time? You know, like, are you residing in delight? through that experience? And you can answer anyway, it's a, it's a hard question. So you can answer it. Yeah, I mean, like one thing is, this is my experience. I don't know if it's anyone else's, but when I write about laughter in a real detailed way, I start laughing. <laughs> you know, and I, I don't know if I'm, it's just like me, you know, if I'm particularly susceptible. Like if you were to yawn right now, through Zoom, I might yawn. Maybe I'm susceptible, but like, uh, <laughs> but like I mean, I, I get it. Yeah, it and you know, and like if you, when I write about something that is, um, is like when I'm noticing something that is, you know, like if I see some, like I remember seeing some kids like wrestling in the in the um, mm -hmm. in the parking lot of the post office. I was in Decatur, Georgia, at a book festival, and I was writing about it, and it filled me up so much because these kids were like it was like a like a bigger kid and a littler kid and a little kid was like going at the big kid and the big kid was like tossing this kid but knew how to toss the kid you know how you do like you don't always and whatever but you kind of know that and they were like it was such this sort of little study in like sweetness and care and all the stuff and i was writing it and it was just like such a kind of being filled up by by paying very close attention to what it was not only that was happening but what it was that was sort of going on in me while you know so like witnessing it studying it was like the first thing yeah and the second thing was like and it's happening in here too yeah like it's getting into my body watching this this sort of gleeful thing so that's to say that as you noted like in the book the book has you know thinking about all kinds of stuff, you know, like the fullness of a kind of daily life, you know, which is full of like sorrow and full of, if you're lucky, full of some delight. And I, I did though feel like as I was getting better at attending to my delights, attending to what delighted me, I was noticing more of them. 
Yeah. I just started being like, oh, oh, right, that thing. Oh yeah, the way that you know, the way that the way that people yawn when someone else yawns, like I don't know, that actually that actually once I think about it, that delights me, you know, and. And the way that like, you know, when you see someone laugh or like, you know, these weird things that you're learning in Zoom, like if you see someone laugh, you might be inclined to laugh too. Or if you see yourself, I remember because we were making some of these movies, like I said in class, and people watching, I'm watching people watching themselves in a movie. And if they watch themselves smile, they start to smile, I've noticed. Yeah. It's like, oh. Man, that's so beautiful. <laughs> that's delightful. Anyway, like sort of studying these things, I do kind of in my head, it's like notice, articulate, notice them, articulate them, I guess inquire about them and then share them. I don't know. All I can say is that when I write about laughter, I laugh. So, you know, this area that we're really concentrating on, you know, as a as a white cisgender male, I have to constantly kind of check like what what priors am I bringing? What biases am I bringing? What like what, you know, what's my what's the power dynamic in this conversation in this, you know, and all these things. And and so we're, you know, we're kind of just gently and, and as gracefully as we can trying to open up through this creative process and these art, you know, artistic practices like more curiosity about racism, about about biases that we all carry. And also like at the same time, like what are the, you know, what are all the cultural assets that your, your kids have in the room? I mean, just like, how do you, how do you learn their identities? How do you, how do you discover who they are and what makes them sing? And so I'm just curious, like, you know, as a, as an educator, you know, what do you, how do you approach that? And, and just the, the sort of, you know, this inescapable dynamic that we have around race and culture in, in classrooms that are in these buildings that have all kinds of history in them, right? Is there anything that you, you want to share around that? You know, so much of my sort of educational experience has been like feeling in certain ways, like, ugh, like all this, you know, all, all of this shit that I'm just like, man, I don't care, you know? And 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 more like it's it's violent you know although i wouldn't have said it like that but i'm like you know i don't want to i don't want to read i don't want to read this you know i don't want to i'm not interested you know and like who where am i you know a lot of that where am i and i remember like i can remember the moments of being given books to read you know i had a teacher at Lafayette College, he had me the first, the first like real serious writing about reading poetry I, or reading maybe that I ever did was in college, and it was this poet Amiri Baraka, and and you know Baraka, you mm. know among other things, he he, the thing that he was writing, the poem that I, that totally changed my life. It's called An Agony As Now. And it's a poem that to this day is so deeply mysterious and meaningful to me. And it is a poem that I will never until I die completely figure out. It's like one of these kinds of poems and it's just probably gonna keep on unpacking for me. But partly I was like, oh, wow, I'm reading something that is witnessing me, you know, which had often not been the case, I suppose, in certain ways, you know, so one of the things that I 
do in class is like, I mean, I think I kind of am like, what do we, I kind of, I, I read certain books, you know, and I feel like the syllabi that, I don't actually make syllabi, but like the, <laughs> the reading lists that we have are going to sort of allow us to think together in ways that we want to think together and need to think together, you know? Mm. And that are going to also be sort of co-created with the folks in the room so that we're like, oh yeah, maybe we should read, you know, this book by Sadia Hartman, or maybe we should read this book by Ocean Vuong, or that we're going to sort of bring it together, like sort of make a reading list together that, that holds our questions in a way that maybe doesn't impose questions, but rather holds questions for us. And, you know, and also like, I feel like part of the part of being in a classroom or trying to together make a classroom that is a, a classroom where we're practicing is a classroom that also understands that we're in the process of emerging. Yeah. We're like, we're learning about each other and about ourselves and in ways we're learning how to be caring for one another. And part of that learning often is being like, ah, shit, I, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't, you know, or, you know, making a, making a mistake, you know, and part of the practice, I think of the classroom as a space where we're, we believe that we're in a process of we're in practice is, is also sort of trying to figure out how we can be like, yeah, come on. Like we're, 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 we're working on this together which has its own kind of set of like power, you know, power dynamics. Like who gets to say that? Who's like, yeah, but we're not working on this thing, are we? You know, and then, but is there a, a space where we can sort of consistently be, consistently be in practice of like, well, let's try to, let's try to work on all of the things, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But so, yeah, so one thing, you know, reading lists. Yeah. And, and, and also the, the deep and abiding sense of, of, we're practicing, we're yeah. practicing, you know, which is a kind of softness and which also kind of comes back to the question of our wildernesses, which is that, you know, we have these wildernesses and we, we actually have to learn how to hold them for each other, yeah. with each other, with each other and for each other. I, I mean, I, I read recently um, the essay ad on still processing, you know, which, you know, and I think that's like, you know, to me, it was like, you know, being able to notice this thing that is out there in our culture and, you know, that like most young people of color in a classroom are holding these truths and these observations and and um, being able to look at something like The Wire or the or, or you know, it was, it was the Whitney Houston, Bobby Brown, you know, documentary on, the, on you know, just like, you know, and then watching you the typeface that you, you know, of blackness and suffering kind of coming and, and crossing each other and like, these expressions of this is what I see and it pains me and here I am writing an essay about it as a black man and that's my delight. I, I have this I have this right and I have this opportunity and I'm gonna share it. And and in a lot of ways it's sort of I you know, I look at that and I'm just like, you know, what what do we do to create permission for the young people to speak their voice like that and what they see and what they know and and and, and really it's I mean to me the work that we're doing is really like the courage of teachers, right? The courage of, of educators and adults to just 
open it up. It's hard. The job of an educator, my God. I mean, like, you know, you open up traumas and you're not a therapist. You open up, you know, topics of racism and you weren't trained on that. You, you're a white educator. I, I mean, it's it's big. And I mean, I, I don't know. I think what I see in your work that I that really excites me is that it's like, let these the noticing happen and the sharing happen. And it's it's like these things that live together of both like the joy of being able to share these sorrows and, you know, that our world is still like this, but also not escaping or denying or putting, you know, leaving at the door the sorrow of what you've experienced. Yeah, totally. And the ways that we fuck up. <laughs> the ways that we totally fuck up. Yeah. yeah. And that's like part of it. And I, and I, I mean, just from my own experience, it's like, you know, sometimes, of course, there are, you know, there's, there's maliciousness, of course. And like, how just how do we hold that how do we sort of have a space where you know in my daily life when i do that a lot of my inclination is not to be like i'm very sorry um a lot of my inclination is to sort of hide or to bolster up or to you know Mm -hmm. and to get how do we make spaces where it's like this is gonna happen or you know well people and and the ground is that the ground is that we love each other, you know, and and we're going to try to we're going to to do our best to do that love right, you know. Um, yeah. And and which yeah, like it's that is because we do we just you know, what the fuck up. Is there anything that you'd like encourage educators in, in just in their own creative development or, you know, in, in people who, young people, educators like who love to write or maybe have a few poems that they're like unsure about, but they, you know, I mean, anything that you would just offer as somebody who, you know, you've put a lot, you put a lot of practice into practicing. <laughs> you have. I feel like um, if as much as we can have our classrooms be places where we can practice our, our stuff, you know, like I really do. I think oh. like I'm a much more interesting person in the classroom, someone who can offer more to the students in the classroom when I'm actually in there doing it with them, you know, like making stuff with them. And yeah. so part of what I think about a lot is how to how to make the classroom a space where I'm actually practicing my craft, you know, and and in my case, it might mean I'm out there singing Frank Ocean in the in the cemetery with folks, making a movie. And in another case, it might mean that I'm like, you know, I'm trying to give myself and the whole class, like when we're doing these little time writing exercises, I like time writing exercises. Another way to not be perfect, you know, I might be like, oh, okay, so we're I'm working on my little novel and I'm stuck. And so today is a really good day for some time writing exercises. <laughs> and we're gonna <laughs> You know, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thanks for that window. Is there a poem or a piece that you 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 have nearby that you'd love to share? Yeah, let me grab some. Oh, sweet. And this is from the delights. This is um. This is called joy, and this is the second part of the essay that we've been talking about about wilderness, and and it's yeah. called "Joy is such a human madness: the death between us." Or like this. In healthy forests, which we might imagine to exist mostly above ground and be wrong in our imagining, given as the bulk of the tree, the roots, are reaching through the earth below. 
there exists a constant communication between those roots and mycelium, where often the ill or weak or stressed are supported by the strong and surplus. By which I mean a tree over there needs nitrogen and a nearby tree has extra. So the hyphae, so close to hyphen, the handshake of the punctuation world, the fungal ambulances ferry it over constantly. This tree to that, that to this. And that in a tablespoon of rich fungal duff, a delight, the phrase fungal duff, meaning a healthy forest soil swirling with the living the dead make, are miles and miles of hyphae, handshakes, who get a little sugar for their work. The pronoun who turned the mushrooms into people. Yes, it did. Evolved the people into mushrooms. Because in trying to articulate what perhaps joy is, it has occurred to me that among other things, the trees and the mushrooms have shown me this. Joy is the mostly invisible, the underground union between us, you and me, which is among other things, the great fact of our life and the lives of everyone and thing we love going away. If we sink a spoon into that fact, into the duff between us, we will find it teeming. It will look like all the books ever written. It will look like all the nerves in a body. We might call it sorrow, but we might call it a union. One that, once we notice it, once we bring it into the light, might become flower and food, might be joy. Just like full body shiver. Uh, yeah. Uh, wow. I, I love, I mean, so much about that and like the, the hyphen as a handshake in the punctuation world. <laughs> so a lot of time when I'm reading your stuff, Ross, I'm like, I'm like laughing with you. Like, you know, you're talking about like la writing about laughter. You can't, st you know, and I'm just like, I, I love it. It's such like a, a beautiful thing to just be able to like get to know you through your work and the way that you think and look at the world and, and truly like a philosophy that I don't know, just has touched me and moved me. And, and, um, and I love this opportunity to be able to share you with the education world. If we end up getting an audience uh, for this podcast, Thank you for being my first guest. This was really, really fun. Really, really fun. And it got me thinking in all these ways that I'm glad to be thinking. Thanks so right. much. Yeah, thanks. Have a great day. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Jordan. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Inside the Box podcast. I'm Ross Anderson, your host. And this podcast is brought to you by the MakeSpace Project funded by a U.S. Department of Education grant to bring creative engagement into schools all over the country. You can find out more at www.makespaceproject.org. May we all find creative engagement in moments of our days and share the delight with others.